Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Belfast author Wendy Erskine, who released her debut collection of short stories, Sweet Home, in 2018. I think it was the last book that I read of the year and the best to last, isn't that what they say? So yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was a great collection. And there's three writers on the back of the book, Sarah Baum, Gavin Corbett and Lucy Caldwell, who all write really, really good things and, and explain it a lot better uh, than I ever could. Sarah Baum, to take one, says... With skill and style, Erskine unpicks the underlying complexity of ordinary lives, the unexpected intricacy of ordinary situations. These are stories about ramification as opposed to redemption, dark, bittersweet and perfectly formed. Then the blurb on the inside cover of the book kind of explains what some of the stories are about. A reclusive cult rock icon ends his days in the street where he was born. A lonely woman is fascinated by her kneecap wearing neighbours. A husband and wife become enmeshed in the lives of the young couple they pay to do their cleaning and gardening. Set in contemporary East Belfast, these acutely observed short stories come charged with regret and sorrow, desire and yearning. With clear-eyed compassion and wry humour, Wendy Erskine deftly lays bare her characters struggle to maintain control in an often cruel world where tragic events cast long shadows. Sweet Home heralds the arrival of a wonderfully compelling and truly distinctive new voice. I totally agree. So I was delighted to uh, talk to Wendy for the podcast. Let's get straight into it. And if you haven't read Sweet Home yet, I thoroughly recommend it. You don't have to have read it to hopefully enjoy this interview that's about to come, but um, maybe you'll get something out of it. Maybe you'll go to the shop straight away and buy the book. I thoroughly recommend doing that. But without further ado, here's myself and Wendy having a really nice chat. Congratulations on the success that you've had so far with Sweet Home, which I've seen in lots of lots of best best of lists for 2018, lots of top 10 lists as well for 2018. Is that nice to see that like it is actually getting out in the world and people are enjoying it? Yes, it is. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I had basically zero expectations as to what might happen with it. So it's really, really thrilling whenever you see it. It's making people's, you know, top 10 lists or, you know, book of the year in something in something or other. But to be honest, I'm not like super hierarchical about it. So, you know, my milkman has really, really enjoyed it. You know, um, people, my neighbours have really, really enjoyed it. So, um, you know, it's, it's just terrific that it's out there and people like it. I mean, it's still, uh, I still find it really strange to see somebody else holding it, you know, or to hear somebody else talking about one of the characters um, because they're people that have existed in my head or in my world for, for such a long time prior to being released into the sort of macrocosm. So it is quite strange, but yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. So is that the way that it is? Like writers, or, or you anyway, don't like zero expectations before the book is released. Like, do you ever think, I'd like to, you know, tick these goals off my list with this book? Well, I suppose for for me, this was also totally unexpected in the sense that, um, you know, I ended up going on the Sting and Fly, you know, six months writing course with no expectation of even getting a story published anywhere it was just basically something to do that might be quite interesting for um a period of a period of time so i suppose i I don't know i can't really speak for other people and what other people's expectations might be some people might be aiming for you know i don't know world domination through the through the power of the short story i i don't know but for for me really I've just been delighted that anybody has taken an interest. And, you know, a couple of, I ended up getting on a trip to um, San Francisco and to um, California as part of an Irish Writers Festival. And I mean, for some, something like that to me, it was just so incredible to think that this is, 
this had transpired as a result of, of writing short stories. So my expectations were, were you know, fairly low, I suppose I would say. And um, it, they've been totally, totally exceeded. What was San Francisco like? It was it was brilliant. It was uh, just such a really, really interesting place to be. It's so interesting to be somewhere. You know, you've read, you know, novels of San Francisco as a setting or seen films of San Francisco as a setting. It was just a brilliant place just to mooch around for uh, for a couple of days. And they had a big um, festival on, Litquake it was called. So they really get to see anything at it. But um, it just seemed such a vibrant kind of, kind of place. And then we were also out at a festival in Los Gatos, which was kind of um, about 50, 50 miles south of still San Francisco. And uh, it was just really, really interesting getting to, you know, just sort of hang out with um, a lot of different writers that I'd never, I'd never met before. That was really fun. Cool. So have, have you kind of done the, um, the tour of like book festivals and things like that? I've only really been to a couple. I was at Dunham Festival last year, which was which was really, really brilliant. I was at the Dublin Book Festival and I'll be doing something at Belfast Book Festival. So yes, a, a few of those sorts of things. But again it's very, very it's a very, very strange experience because I've spent so much time in the audience of those things over the years. Um, it is quite weird to to find myself sitting on a stage where, you know, I've been down in the audience of the same place for whatever ten ten years. Something I never would have expected that I'd be the one that's actually up there. Is that a just a matter of sticking to it, or was it something clicked where you were like, you know, I want to start writing, I want to, you know, not get up on the stage, but I'd like to try and do what they're doing. Or or have you always written? No, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I mean, whenever I was in my twenties, I lived in um, Newcastle upon Tyne and I never really went out. I was pretty much a hermit and I um, wrote a novel whenever I was um, living, living there and it was absolutely awful. And, uh, you know, I sent it off in a very half-hearted way to a few places. It got rejected. And I was never surprised when it got rejected because I kind of thought, yes, I know I agree with you. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, so I didn't do any writing then at all for um, oh, decades. Um, and then around about 2010 or so, I wrote a, I wrote a blog and um, I started off thinking that what I would do would be um, I would do sort of like um, book reviews and music reviews and, and things like that. But pretty quickly, I realized uh, I wasn't really good at doing that type of thing. It was actually quite difficult to do well. So I ended up doing little bits of creative writing. You couldn't even call it flash fiction. It was just like tiny little bits of writing that were based, mainly based on things to do with music. Um, and so that was, uh, that was probably my first foray into any kind of, you know, creative work after the novel that just didn't go anywhere a couple of decades before um, and then really whenever I started doing the, the Stay and Fly course again I had no expectations I wasn't particularly dedicated to the, the short story form or, or anything or anything like that it was just something that um, I was going to give a kind of I suppose I did always think I, I reckon I could probably not be not too bad at writing but I kind of would have put it in the same ballpark as I could probably look a lot better if I went to the gym or I could be you know probably a much more interesting person if I read a newspaper quite you know comprehensively every single day it was one of those things I thought I probably could do but there were many other things that I thought I could also do better or do start <laughs> what, what was it that kind of motivated you to do the stinging fly course well a couple of things um, first of all I had actually uh, I had read quite a lot of the stinging fly writers I had also been to see stinging fly had an event at Belfast Book Festival I think maybe it was in about 2015 maybe 
I'd been at that and I had loved it because it was really kind of anarchic. There was something about it that was really, it was it was very unusual. It was um, Sarah Louise Bennett and it was Sarah Baum and it was Danielle McLaughlin. But they were just so sort of full of attitude. And it, it sounds ridiculous to say it was it was quite punk, but almost was really. Their attitude was very, very striking. And um, I kind of thought that's really cool. <laughs> you know, it seems to be a really cool kind of an outfit. And then um, I was looking around. What happened was that I had one afternoon off work, a week off um, in 2015, and was looking around for something to do. So I half considered, oh, I might volunteer in a photographic gallery, or I might do this, or I might do that. And then I saw on Facebook that Finn and Fly were running this six-week or six-six-month um, workshop thing, and it just coincided. It happened to just coincide with the day that the afternoon that I had off so it made it quite easy for me to get down to Dublin I'm, I'm Belfast here so um, this was perfect so it just happened the day that I saw on Facebook but the course was I could easily just not have seen that you know I could easily have been scrolling and looking at some other you know YouTube clips or something or other and not seen this thing in fine advert uh, do you think that it is something that that there is something like different about Irish writing, like saying that like Claire Louise Bennett has like a a bit of a punk attitude or it felt like a bit of a punk event. Is that something that like wasn't in Irish writing beforehand or is it just something that you maybe hadn't come across before? And maybe it was something I hadn't come across before. I've been to plenty of those sorts of events before. Yeah, it just struck me as very, very unusual. And I don't know if it was something that was particularly... Irish, or I don't know if it was something to do with the particular dynamic of those three people on the stage, or or, or what it was. But it did strike me as something quite, um, just as something quite um, unusual. And it sort of stayed in my mind, so that you know, I just I just really did remember it as a very particular event. Do you think it's something that extends to like Irish writing as well at the moment? Like, do you agree that it's like? Like going, having a moment, like having a special moment. It seems like the moment has kind of been going on for a while as well. Yes, I mean, it seems like there's just so much, there's <laughs> been so much wonderful stuff for a number of years. And also as well, whenever you look at the kind of, you know, riches, as it were, that seem to be coming out in 2019, you know, there seem to be so many brilliant books, you know, fiction, non-fiction, short stories that are, are coming out in the, in the next few months. So, yeah, I mean, it does certainly seem to be, a, you know, a really, really fantastic, uh, fantastic time for sure. And, and more specifically to Belfast, does it feel like something special is happening up there? I, I say up there, there yeah. um, where you are, like you, Wendy Erskine, Paul McVeigh, Anna Burns winning the Booker Prize as well. Does it feel like the city is kind of having a moment, a literary moment? All those people are wonderful, and it's 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 wonderful just to be included in the same list as as those people that you mentioned. It certainly seems like it's having a literary moment in the sense that attention is being turned to it. Although I'm sure there'll be some people who would also argue that there have been people who have been writing about Belfast and have been writing brilliantly about Belfast for for many many decades. You know, there's a, there's a really really um, interesting article in Belfast Telegraph that Malky Doherty produced which basically looked at, you know, over the last 20 years, over the last 30 years, all of the people that have been writing about us, short stories, drama, novelists, you know, novels. And there's been a lot of stuff. So it's not as if there's been an absolute kind of drought and now it's happening. It's always been there, I suppose, but it, the attention is now being turned to it. Why do you think attention wasn't kind of turned to it before? Like from the wider world, I suppose. I don't really know. It's... Uh, it's it's hard really to say. I I don't know if people felt that oh you know that the 
the, the troubles thing was something that was unattractive or the troubles thing was something that was that was that was too sort of complicated for people to um to 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 read about and um, I honestly don't I really really don't know I mean I think it's interesting now that even you know you will have writers that aren't even from um you know Northern Ireland or the North of Ireland whatever you want to call it that are also writing about uh, about Belfast so you know you've got the new David Keenan novel for the good times I mean He's Scottish from from Airdrie, you know. There he is writing about Ardoin in the 1970s. So it's interesting that it's now even a kind of locale or a kind of a, a subject matter that's interesting for people to write about who aren't even from this particular place. Mm, yeah, and and is there a nice community of writers there as well that you're kind of part of? Well, yes. I mean, there's there's so much there's so much going on in Belfast. You know, there's a really really wonderful bookshop, No Alibi, for independent bookshop, which is so many different events. And you know, there's a Tangerine magazine, Literary Mag, which is doing really really well, and you know, producing really interesting stuff. So you know, there's and there's life book poetry. There's there's all there's all sorts of things um, that are all going that are all going on up. Absolutely. So, you know, I think the, the Seamus Heaney Centre at Queen's and the Creative Writing Courses at Queen's are bringing through, you know, a whole sort of range of range of people. And um, in terms of in terms of me, I wouldn't say that I'm a kind of a, you know, a major sort of scenester that, you know, uh, I, I would be in the in the centre of all of this at all. But certainly there is a, a very thriving literary scene, you know, for people that want to um, get involved in, in that. Yeah. When did you move back from New? Did you move from Newcastle back to Belfast? Yeah, I moved to Glasgow in 1986, and then I moved to Newcastle in 90, about 93, and then moved back to Belfast in, in 97. Yeah, I'd say it's changed a lot, even in the past like 10, 15 years. Yes, it's changed. Yeah, it's it's changed loads in the past uh, in the past 10, um, 10, 15 years. Absolutely. I mean, I got a daughter who's 16. Her her life is just totally different to my life would have been um, whenever I was I was her age. It's just so much more vibrant. There's so much more stuff that you can that you can do. The town itself is an attractive type of place with lots going on. But whenever you say that, you know, you know that that all of that's true. But what's what's also true is it still is quite an un, quite a quite a bizarre place. And you know, quite an unusual place. There's so much still there below below the surface. So you know, there's no point pretending that this is all forgotten about. That you know, there's all these sorts of issues and troubles and so on, and they're all absolutely in the past. I don't really think that's the case. But at the same time, there is a lot of don't want to be negative about it. It is a really, really positive positive change from from what it was in the past for sure. And did you know that like like your debut collection, Sweet Home, it's very much set in Belfast and set in kind of a small area of Belfast as well. Did you know that, like, this is going to be kind of a Belfast book that I'm going to be writing about this city? I suppose I didn't really, I didn't really set out with the intention that, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that absolutely all of these stories are all set in Belfast. But after I'd written a couple, and um, they were all set in, set in Belfast, and not just Belfast, probably just a very, very tight locale, about, you know, three or four streets, really, to be honest. You know, after after that had happened, I kind of thought, well, I'll just I'll just continue in this in this same in this same vein. It wasn't really my intention from the beginning. I didn't have any kind of um, sort of overarching plan that this was how it was going to be. But as it transpired, that was how it just developed. 
Right. And and like, did you know that it was going to be a book of short stories? Like, while you were writing them, did it feel different to how that novel felt all those years ago back in Newcastle? It was like, yeah. when you're sending it off, you, you're actually like, actually, I'm really proud of this. Yeah, yes. Well, it did, it did because the way, the way it worked was that I had one story um, that was published in Stainsland magazine. And that was a story, it's the first story in the collection to all their Jews. I was then contacted by Declan Mead from um, Sting and Fly and he said, I would be interested in working on a collection with you. But at that stage, it was very tentative. It wasn't sort of like, you know, high five, yeah, we're doing this. You know, it was kind of like the possibility of, of, of a collection. So whenever he said that, I um, kind of thought, right, this is, this, is my, this is my big chance. This is a brilliant opportunity here. And really, I've got to just absolutely go for it. So basically what I did then after that was I just sent him a story pretty much every month for about a year. I more or less kept about one a month for a year and then a couple of extra ones then, then after that. So I kind of knew that I was sort of I was sort of building a I was I was building up a collection just month by month basically. And yeah, I was pretty on I mean the first couple that I was that I sent him I was really nervous about it because I kind of thought he could still say at this stage, actually, do you know what, I've read a few more of yours and uh, you know, you basically hit it lucky with that first one, but <laughs> the more recent ones don't like him. So I kind of knew early on that yeah, that was a possibility. But once I kind of realised that uh, I kind of got into the groove with it and I kinda of understood the rhythm of how these things needed to move and I got more sort of familiar and comfortable with the length that I needed to write and almost what, what sorts of things had to be established when and so on. It was a very, very, very enjoyable um, process. All the, all the stuff that's happened since, I mean, it is really, really fun going to different places and I've met lots of brilliant people and, you know, the whole sort of, it's quite showbiz, I think, even with sort of like indie publishers and so on, there's a sort of a showbiz dimension to it, which could be which could be quite fun, but to be honest, it was it was really wonderful just sending the stories off each month to Declan, and you know maybe getting a text back saying, yeah, that was good, keep going or whatever. To me, that was a brilliant time, and as you say, incredibly different to sending off something that you knew was pretty useless, and you know getting it sent back and agreeing yeah, that it's useless. That was a really wonderful time when I was just sending the stories off, you know, month by month to him, and you know he was thinking that they were they were they were okay. Do you kind of see them as kind of collaborative things? Like, obviously, it's your name very much front front and center on the book, but when you're working with an editor like like Declan. Like, do you feel like like he's as much in these pages as well? Or is it just kind of like he's just kind of pointing you along, kind of holding the saddle while you like figure it all out? Yeah, I mean, I suppose he was fairly, I would say it was probably fairly, fairly light touch. So, you know, there would be times where he might send, he might say, not sure about that ending or he might say maybe things need to happen more quickly or whatever. It was that kind, it was that kind of direction that I was, that I was getting, I suppose you would you would say, yeah. But I mean, there's been other times as well, though, that I would have to say that I've benefited from talking to other people about the stories that I'm doing. I mean, I don't tend to like pass these around tons of people to get loads of feedback or whatever. I'm I'm happy enough that I've kind of worked out what what's okay and what's what's not. But say, for example, the the pop facts one, which is you know the the, the narrative style is just a list of a list of pop facts basically. I mean that came from a conversation with Sean O'Reilly 
who you know has also also published Singing Fly, and it was it was a story that had written any number of ways. It'd been very very long, and I'd written it from the mum's point of view, I'd written it from this guy's point of view. It just didn't work anyway whatsoever. And he was thinking, he was saying to me, "Can you think of a form that you you think tallies with that type of story a little more?" And we came up with the idea of the pop fact. So that was a very that that was something I don't know if I would have um, necessarily stumbled upon that myself. Um, and that's, that's a good example of something which I think was quite collaborative there in terms of that whole idea. Well, where did that come in the process, actually, that story? 77 pop facts you didn't know about Gil Courtney. Did that come towards the end of those long list of stories that you were sending monthly to Declan Mead? Or did it come early and were you tempted to kind of play with form a little more? That came early on. That actually came. That was maybe the first one was the first one was to all their juice. The next one that I sent them was Lady and Dog, I think. And then the pop facts was the one after was the one after that. So it was, it was quite it was quite early on. Yeah, it was quite early on. Like, were you tempted to play around with form like that for other ones? That very much stands out in the collection. Like, was that the plan as well by the end of it? There were, there were other ones, yeah, that maybe played around with form. There was there was one that I didn't actually use for the collection, which was basically I'd had a I'd had a conversation with a, a guy who'd been around our house to fix something or other. It was uh, it's plumber. I was asking him, you know, do you, do you read much? And he goes, no, no, no. The only thing I read is instructions. I thought, right, okay, let's write a story then. That's a series of instructions. So it was a 6,000, 7,000 word story that was basically instructions, but with a commentary on the instructions. And it was about a, there used to be kind of like, well, there used to be a kind of like a Playboy Bunny club in um, Belfast. And mine was like a version of not, of that, not not quite that place, but it was 1970s and it was that type of a, um, establishment. And these were instructions for the for the workers that were there. So, but that didn't make it into the collection anyway. So that was another one that was maybe a bit more experimental in terms of in terms of that kind of that kind of form. But to be honest, with all of the stories, I mean, I always just look into think well what's the best way that you can tell this story and quite a lot of the stories I'll have tried out three four different ways of doing them before I finally plump for whatever the final way is going to um it's going to be and what happens to those stories that don't make it are they like ready to go for your next collection <laughs> they're all set, well they're on my old computer and I'd need to see if I could um even find the lead for my old old computer um to see if I could even access them I'm not too sure if I could yeah there's a few there's a few other ones there one of one of the stories that we didn't use to put into winter papers, so that I was quite was quite pleased about that because it was a story that I quite uh, I quite liked. So um, it was it was good that it found a it found a home there. But some of them just didn't some of them just didn't work or just didn't come alive or the, the ending didn't work or they just felt kind of didn't feel didn't feel right. Maybe I'll come back to them eventually. Yeah, that would be quite nice if I if I could um, come back to them. Did you get back on the riding horse kind of shortly after like you submitted all those stories where you're like, right, clean slate, let, let's go again sort of thing. Like, let's see what happens. Or did you take a, or do you take a break after like you're published after you submit it? When, whenever I was writing the stories, what, what I would do would be when I was writing one, I would just have them in mind all the time, the next story. And so I was just turning over always in my head the ideas for the next story so that whenever it came to the next month, I already had the ideas that were kind of there. But I would have to say that since the collection's been published, I've basically written very, very, very little. It's kind of been because uh, I've written a couple of things. I had one on Radio 4 and there's been a couple of wee bits and pieces, but nothing, nothing major whatsoever. And it's just because I've been asked to do other different sorts of bits and pieces of writing for various different 
various different things which have enjoyed and it's been it's been fun, it's been exciting and so on, but I've written very, very little, so I really would like to um I really would like to get to get back to it. Well that was that was kinda of gonna be one of my next questions, just like what what's the plan now for twenty nineteen? Do you have the an idea for a novel or is or will you stick with the short stories? It's too soon to say maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I do have an idea for a novel. There was one of the stories that we didn't use because it was actually very, it was very, very long. And it was also something that when I was writing it, I was enjoying doing it very, very much. And I kind of thought to myself, I can see the, I can see longevity in this. I mean, I can really see how, you know, I could keep going with this and I could make this much, much more complex. And I mean, I must say, like, I mean, I do read loads. I love reading, but I'm often very, very impatient with novels and I can kind of I do think all the time that should have been a short story. I skip things. I'm happy to skip, you know, description of a door. You know, I'm happy to skip. I'm happy to. I'm happy to skip conversations with people I don't find interesting. It's there's no problem with me with with skipping through whatever it is you not you engage with. Um, but I did think with this, I, I think this could be something longer. And um, it's kind of about a a woman who has been um in a sort of a sort of semi sort of Maoist cult in London after having been in that for a number of decades. She's back in Belfast again and trying to, you know, carve out some sort of existence outside this um, this cult experience. Because I kind of kind of find that whole kind of the cult aspect really pretty, um, really pretty interesting. And like, like books like, you know, Doris Lessing, a good terrorist, and Manson family ideas like that. I, f- I find all that pretty interesting. So that that's something that I've actually got it planned out, and it's you know I've maybe done about thirty thousand words or so on. But to be honest, I also have I'm not going to stop writing short stories i've got ideas that i'm turning over at present that i think i might be able to uh might be able to use oh sounds sounds exciting well i mean it, yeah i do i i do find writing i do find it really really exciting i mean i, I do really really um in, enjoy it i do enjoy the whole the whole process of getting things together and so it's thrilling when you know that something's working really you know, well not really effectively but when when you think that something's working quite effectively it's it's uh it's excellent but for me as well like i work full-time and you know, I've got a, you know, I've got two kids, and don't I don't have, you know, endless hours to um, devote to writing. As it being very few people do, I'm not saying that I'm in a very special position compared to others. I'm sure most people that are writing also have a whole range of um, other other commitments, but it is difficult sometimes to make the time for for writing. Any recommendations? Uh, what are you reading at the moment? What would you uh, What would you say? people that they should be reading or thinking about reading next oh well i got to read adrian duncan notes from a german building site and i absolutely loved that i thought it was i thought it was brilliant it's about a a structural engineer who's working on a on a building site uh, in germany he managed to make he manages to make a building site a very gripping exciting place believe it or not I've really, really enjoyed that. I read a book I was mentioning earlier, the David Keenan one, um, for the Good Times, which is about a group of young men in 1970s Belfast, but basically paramilitaries, um, and what happens to them. It's almost like a sort of troubles gothic novel. I think that was really, really good. Really looking forward to Nicole Flattery's short stories. I think she's 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 wonderful. So funny. Looking forward to um, looking forward to that. Francis Malloy. She's a, a writer from Northern Ireland. Really enjoy reading some of her her short stories. 
Is that enough? Want some more? Uh, I, th- I think that's enough. <laughs> I'll add add them to the list. And finally, um, harking back to the very first question that that I said, congratulations on being long listed for the TLS Republic of Consciousness Prize. That was just announced yeah. this afternoon, I think, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was totally delighted to see that. Yeah, that was just incredible. Um, so I actually haven't read. Um, very many of the other books that are on the list so that is my next project to try and um, read as many of those as possible because they look absolutely brilliant but yeah I was totally delighted to see that um, I was on that it was brilliant that's great it's um, just more success continuing success and most deserve it as well well thank you very much thank you yeah it's just it's, it's, it's wonderful that people are enjoying it it really really is 